Want some? Get some. How about those friggin' pirates? Yes, I am a pirate. You have to go with the pirates because, of course, they have cannons and everything. It's a pirate's life for me. Be proud of who you are and what you are. You're pirate. It is a first down. Pirate. Because when you're in East Carolina, you go for it every time. Or you don't coach in East Carolina, you don't come to East Carolina, you don't play in East Carolina with a weak heart. Write it! I think I've ever been in a building as loud as that was. It was deafening in there. We will get them on. I can promise you that. Hit it triple all night long in Eastern North Carolina! You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. Welcome into the Sports Objective. A great night. It's, it's uh, kind of like the Hot Stove League version of our show as we have a very special guest. We'll get with him in just a second. Very sad day as we learned, those of you who don't know, in a previous life, a country radio DJ. And I had a chance to meet Toby Keith uh, dead at the age of 62 because of stomach cancer. And we're going to miss him. So, uh, Bub, I know that was uh, hard news this morning when I read that, and um, I'm a big country music. Well, I love music like as much as I do sports, believe it or not. I have another, more than just sports as a hobby or passion, and then a very sad day for us. Yeah, as you know, I'm a big fan of country music myself. Yeah. H- hated to hear that news, and uh, you know, your thoughts and prayers to to everyone. You know, those diehard you know, Kobe Toby Keith fan, and then I'm um, you know obviously friends and family. But uh, you know, looking forward to talking some college baseball tonight. Uh, hard to believe that we're a week and a half away from the start of the 2024 season. And as always, I'm here for our you know lengthy preseason chat. Uh, appreciate his time as always. And from D1 Baseball, we have with us Mike Rooney. Runes, how are you? Good to see you, boys. Yeah, doing good. It's uh, the season snuck up on me. It's uh, hard to believe. It's like a week from Friday, but uh, I'm ready. Just got some more. Got some more preseasoning to do, and then let's do this thing. Yeah, so Mike, I have a question. Do you ever get a day off? Because you guys have like the 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 heart of the season, which is right now, but then you had to keep up with the. I always joke there is no in sports. There is no. There used to be an off season. There is no more off season, right? Yeah. No. I. So I would say, like, I consider college baseball my hobby now. Uh, so. Um, like you don't want a day off, right? Like it's it's I it's the thing I'd I'd rather be doing. So, but you know, like you're, you're not kidding, Dave, like it is like, if you think about what college baseball has become over the last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, it's just, it's, uh, it's crazy the way it's grown. And, um, so it's a blessing. I mean, uh, yeah, it it is hectic right now, but hectic in the very best way, hectic, like getting ready for Christmas is probably the best way to say it. And one thing too, Bubba, I was going to add is, uh, you were talking about the growth of baseball. What we have right like behind me, those are watching Clark LeClaire Stadium, you know, it will used to be Harrington Field and and people in the now say, How in the world could we have a stadium like that? And it goes back to your point, and Bubba, maybe you can help me, is that the baseball has always been very special at East Carolina. I'm not saying that, but as far as the growth, we can say not only our program, 
but a macro level for college baseball, I'm just amazed at the number of people, Bubba and Mike, that talk about college baseball. And I felt like I was one of the only ones back in the day, like it was like I'm a nerd, you know, like I'm the only one that cares about it. And now it's more and more and more people that have really got into it, not only East Carolina, but just as college baseball as a whole. Well, I think as you take a look at it, Dave, I mean, on one hand, it's not all that surprising because you know, I've loved the game for the long, longest time. But as you look at the exposure the game's gotten over the last several years, you know, with more and more games on TV, uh, regular season, in addition to extended postseason coverage, you know, every regional and the super regionals, of course. And then uh, obviously people have known and watched Omaha for a long time. But I think um, on that hand, it's, it's not that surprising when you look at how the coverage of the game's grown. What do you think, Runes? Yeah, I think that's fair. Like, it, it is way more on TV. You know, like when I was a kid, and I'm an old man now, but when I was a kid, we had the Sunday night game, and then we uh, had Omaha, right? And then, right. you know, now it's like, gosh, I mean, like, there'll be thousands of games on. And, you know, for most teams, every single game's on television. And so, you know, and even on top of that, now you've got um, the, uh, less minor league teams, a smaller professional draft, and so more players – are going to spend time in college on their way to whatever baseball career they're going to have. So um, as a college baseball junkie, like all of us are, it is awesome. You know, the environments have grown, the investment uh, in, in the sport have grown. So yeah, the more the merrier for me. And not only on linear television has coverage significantly improved, but, you know, with the evolution of ESPN plus, as well as, um, you know, networks like flow sports, uh, being able to to watch every single game or most every game for a lot of schools, um, you know that has to be great for someone like you covering it. Uh, you can check out an inning or two of uh, almost any program around the country. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's like the 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 ability to see to your point, Bubba, to see the teams on ESPN Plus or whatever it is. It's it's um yeah, it's incredible. Like the players aren't mysteries anymore. Like you can see everybody. Hey, Rooney, this is a great one. I've never thought about this, but we have the smartest fans and listeners and viewers. Justin Butts, who's an umpire, by the way, he said a baseball college game day would be nice. And I'll tell you one thing, if they do, I know, Rooney, you probably don't want extra work, but I'd love to have you. If they have a college game day, Mike Rooney is going to be on my Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, college game day would be fun. Steven Shock, has, uh, he's going to do a little version of that. Like He's going to he's trying to buy a van and make it the college baseball van for the season. So that would be, that would be a blast. Count me in. Yeah. If that happens, I, I, I volunteer. And they, and there's so many, the great thing about another thing about college baseball is the fact there's so much parody and there's not the, I'm sick and tired of hearing about power five and, you know, group of five and all that, because if you look at East Carolina and there's a lot of other schools like us that are, and we don't like the term for people that are not East Carolina fans, mid-major, we hear about that. That's not the case for us. Um, but when it comes to us, we are really right there with a lot of uh, schools. And um, one of the things we're going to talk about tonight, um, I don't know as a fan, alum, somebody that covers the Pirates, if it's a good thing or not, Mike, to be ranked, uh, and I see a RPI, uh, thanks to our great uh, JR, as uh, number seven in RPI. 
Yeah, I don't think there's an, I wonder what that is. I don't think there's RPI yet, but I would say that, um, yeah, like I'm going to quote Stephen Schock for the second time already in the podcast where (laughs) he calls, he is determined we're not going to use phrases like mid-majors anymore. He says we're going to call them grit factories. And so I like that very much because it is, the lingo is getting really twisted up, right? Is it power four, power five? I don't even know what to call everybody, but um, I think the non-power five schools will call grit factories. And, you know, to put a bow on it, Hey, like stories like Oral Roberts. I know basketball had a unique scenario last year with San Diego State and, right. and FAU, but man, like Oral Roberts making it to Omaha is just awesome. No doubt. It is, uh, I know one of the things that we heard at Media Day is the guys, uh, they don't really pay attention to preseason. How much are you to believe that of coaches that say they don't pay attention to preseason polls and um, the players that also say that? I wonder, like, I think if you're a coach, you have to, um, I don't know, some coaches get get um, get into preseason polls, not because of their team, because of recruiting, you know, like it's something else to send to recruits or potential recruits. I think if you're a freshman or like a younger player, you probably are more susceptible to worrying about that stuff, whereas the upperclassmen have kind of been there and done that. And, you know, hey, some of the preseason rankings will be right and some of them will be dead wrong. So um, that's that's why they play the games, as they say. Before we dive into the Pirates and talk more about East Carolina, it's, it's, it's tough to believe that Cliff Godwin's entering year 10 at his alma mater. But um, just looking at the college baseball landscape in general, we talk about the exposure increasing. Uh, let's talk about that elephant in the room here right off the bat, and that is, of course, transfer portal and NIL. Uh, last year, you saw the impact that it had for a lot of programs around the country, uh, looking at the national champions with LSU and Paul Skeens, uh, Tommy Tanks. Uh, so tell us about your thoughts on the transfer portal and NIL in general and the impact that it's having. And later on, when we're looking at the national landscape, we'll take a look at uh, you know some of those top transfers entering 2024. You're on mute, Mike. Sorry about that. I think I can over-index on Transfer Portal and NIL. You know, like if you look at LSU, Paul Skeens obviously is the best pitcher in the country. But how many years is Paul Skeens available in the Transfer Portal? Like I think that's a once-in-a-lifetime transfer. Um, Now, you know, Florida was in the finals too, and probably that's not going to happen without Hurston Waldrip. But he wasn't their ace, so – I think, you know, NIL and the portal are real things, but I, you know, if you look at LSU as our example, I mean, Dylan Cruz was the Golden Spikes Award winner and he's not a portal guy and Ty Floyd wasn't a portal guy and Cade Beloso and um, Gavin Dugas and, you know, they had plenty of kids that weren't now, but again, I get it. Like having Paul Skeens transfer in and Tommy White, like those are two extreme cases. So it's kind of the new reality. I'm trying to get used to it. I keep telling myself that if you look at pro sports, the Yankees aren't able to buy the World Series every year, right? And they can do more in free agency right. than anybody. I just think in college baseball, it hasn't normalized yet. And I just, I really believe that some of the high end transfers we've seen, Tommy White, Paul Skeens, et cetera, I think they're just not going to be available every year. So if, if I'm a program that's banking on getting players of that caliber in the portal, I'm, I'm going to you know, that, that I'm going to have my feelings hurt because those type of players aren't, they're not available every year. 
No doubt bringing in now Kyle from the Grange Barber, another big baseball fan. How are you, Kyle? What's up, man? What's going on, fellas? Uh, just joining the podcast here a little late. I apologize for that, Mike. Oh, oh, oh I got my music. Somebody keyed me up. That's just, nice. uh, by the way, Mike, that's his walk-up music. Oh, I like it. Well done. <laughs> Kyle from the Grange. Well done. That's right. Ho, ho, ho. No, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to jump in here, let you guys keep talking, and I'll jump in with my questions. Uh, I, I don't know what's been covered already, but uh, just just, uh, just Bubba, Dave, Mike, you guys continue, and when yeah. I find my point to jump in, I will. Kyle, you've just been doing pregame, Kyle. You haven't missed anything. We ba- yeah. barely took infield outfield so far. Good yeah. deal. Yeah, batting but- practice, a little bit of we'll start batting practice now for you, Kyle, but uh, Mike, as far as uh, the Pirates, uh, what are your thoughts uh, early on? Someone, I, I think the one thing that I love about having you on is there's a lot of media. There's a lot of attention. Uh, the media day was incredible. The number of people in the team room this year is growing. Speaking of growing, we were talking about, Kyle, the uh, macro level of college baseball, how much it's grown. Sure. Uh, but Mike, as far as East Carolina, the coverage alone for baseball is just growing each and every year. Um, just want to get your thoughts on the Pirates and from the outside looking in, what are you seeing? Yeah, I just think, I mean, Cliff Godwin's still there and that coaching staff is awesome and they've just become this team and this program and this brand you can really trust. I'm 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 done predicting Omaha for East Carolina. <laughs> I'm not going to do that to you guys. I'm done doing that. I'm actually, if anything, I'm going to predict that you're not going to make it there. So see if that reverse jinx works. But in all seriousness, I mean, you know, uh, East Carolina has just really created distance between themselves and the rest of the American and, and like crazy distance. And so, you know, the last five years, 44 wins or more every single year in the last seven years, four super regionals of I'm counting. Right. I mean, just like how good they've been has been remarkable hosting regionals, hoping super regional hosting super regionals. And then so I just think it's a team and a brand that you can really trust and now the Americans changing and I think it's changing for the better. Like I like what the Americans done. Um, Houston's a big loss, but I think Charlotte's And by the way, I could mess this up. Like I'm, I conference realignment is a real pickle right now, but like, you know, Charlotte's coming in, FAU's coming in, UTSA's coming in. I don't think I'm messing those ones up. I mean, those are good teams, you know, like those are regional caliber teams. So I think it will be harder for East Carolina to dominate the new American than it was, you know, the, the just utter dominance they created in the old situation. Um, but, you know, it's just I think if, if you're ranking East Carolina pretty high, which I was part of that, it's a it's a little bit of a program pick. And you look at the roster and you've got a, a legit dude in Trey Savage. You've got just it's a nice balanced roster like there's veterans kind of all over the place. There's exciting newcomers. There's not one glaring strength, maybe outside of you, Savage. Um, but there's not there's no weakness that you look at and you're like, oh, that's a major concern. So I don't know, like it just it, it feels like East Carolina being good has gotten boring. And I don't know that I could give them a bigger compliment than that. What do you uh, you you mentioned the new American and the teams coming in. One team coming in that used to be a baseball powerhouse is Rice. And Rice has been utter garbage uh, ever since coach retired. Um it's a little surprising to me, particularly in the day and age of uh, day and age of NIL. Um, you know, I know Rice is an academic school, but there's still a lot of money in Houston. Uh, they have a great history, and you know, being a private school, they can do some things that other schools can't. When you look at Wake Forest, look at Vanderbilt. Um, 
so I, are you surprised that Rice has fallen so far for as long as they have? And what do you think it would take for them to get back to close to where they were? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's a surprise, but if you think about it, they were, you know, they were not super relevant before Wayne Graham got there and then they just haven't been relevant since he left. And so I think it's, um, I think it's a harder job than it looks. It's, I think it's a harder job than Wayne Graham make, made it look. And, you know, they made their money in Houston. Houston is now a very heavily recruited area. Not that it was a big secret before, but, you know, Texas gets their best players from Houston, as does uh, TCU, as does uh, Texas A&M, you know, Texas Tech's in there now. And it's it's um so I, I think, you know, they have the academic money, but you have to choose to spend it as a school. And I don't know that Rice is doing that. And um even though the city has money, I don't think that athletic department has money. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. I like you, your question was a good one, Kyle. Like, what will it take for um, them to kind of be relevant again? I think it's going to take the right coach, and it's not going to take five minutes. It's going to take the right coach, and it's going to take that coach a minute to get it going and um, you know win some recruiting battles. Uh, I mean, I, I you know, no offense to Rice, but. If you told me, you know, am I betting on them for this year or next year? I am not. Like, I think it's going to be, I, I think their, their road back to prominence is going to be a fairly long one. Mike, and that very thing I was going to ask, uh, how much does it help with American being a good, a decent to good baseball league? Does that help Rice at all? That's a good question. I, I, I don't, I think, I think Rice is not there yet, right? Like, I don't think, um, cause here's the problem for Rice. The kids that they need to get back where they want to be, um, you know, they're choosing between the SEC and the Big 12 and all those types of places. So I don't think Rice's problem is conference. I think Rice's challenge right now is they've just been struggling. And, you know, it takes a special kid to want to be part of a turnaround. So I think, um, I think that's the main issue. I think I think for Rice, if they can just show some some positive sparks, they have access to good players, and maybe they can create some momentum that way. Yeah, another program in the Americans, since we're talking about the American with a lot of history uh, and tradition, um, and guys, I'm, I'm having my brain, you know, brain fog here. Wichita State, did they did they win? They, they made it to the finals of the conference tournament. What, what the hell did they do in the conference tournament last year? Uh, if they made it to the finals, they lost to Tulane. Because remember, Tulane was yeah. the, uh, Tulane beat Tulane beat the Pirates in the in the championship. Okay, well, then what am I thinking of that Wichita State did? You're probably you're probably thinking that because they swept us out at Wichita. Okay, all right. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, your thoughts on Wichita State? Dude? Yeah, another team yeah. that has been down for years. That at some point you would think maybe will return back to prominence. Yeah, I think I'm optimistic on Wichita State. You know, they hired Brian Green this year, who had been at New Mexico State and then Washington State. And Brian Green is really high energy, great recruiter. He's been at programs like Oregon State, Kentucky, that really are under-resourced and figured out a way to be really, really good. Um, and if you look at Wichita State, like their their roster is all over the portal, like meaning like everybody's got a good Wichita State transfer. And so it's it's it stinks for them that they, it's such a rebuild that everybody took off. But I if remember they were, that it, now. Now that you say that, Mike, I yeah. remember daily. It's a ton of but if they were left. terrible, no one would want their players, and people clearly wanted their players. So I I think Wichita State, you know, if that was a stock, I'd be buying it. I I, I think I'm optimistic there. Okay, Mike. Before we talk about some of the the regional teams, um, 
that the Pirates often play in midweek games and even on the weekend in the case of the North Carolina Tar Heels in what will be a top 15 matchup as it was a season ago. Bringing it back to the Pirates uh, for a moment, uh, you talk about Treya Savage and how he's the glaring strength of this team. Uh, Friday night ace um, a year ago, 7-1, 2-6-1 ERA. Opponents hitting just a buck 93 against him uh, with only 53 hits surrendered in in uh, 76 innings pitched. But um, you have the likes of a Justin Wilcox and behind the plate, a, a guy who the Pirates did not necessarily think was going to be returning this year, but uh, have the luxury of of him uh, being back. And then um, a guy like JJC, or some people refer to him just as JC, Jacob Jenkins Cowart. Uh, last year he was he was uh, suffering from an injury uh, there midseason uh, after had that three homer game against the Wolfpack at at the jungle. Uh, so, uh, you know, what are your thoughts of Jacob Jenkins Cowart and some of those key pieces in the Pirates lineup? Yeah, I mean, like, like he, the best version of him is a top of the league player, right? Like, best version of JJC is competing for American Player of the Year, and so I just, you know, it's it's interesting. Like, you look at East Carolina, and you can check every box. Like, I like some of the pieces in the bullpen. I like having an ace like Yusevich. I mean, their lineup is just exactly what you would expect from East Carolina. Seven of the nine kids are left-handed hitters. They're going to be athletic. They're going to have a couple kids with some size. You know they're going to compete their brains off. So, I, I you know, it's like I – it reminds me of Arkansas a little bit. Our, our friend at D1 Baseball, Joe Healy, says this. He says, I look at Arkansas, and I make sure Dave Van Horn's still coaching there. And if the answer is yes, then I'm in. Like, I'm in. Like, they're going to be good. And I'm, I'm feeling that way about East Carolina. I look and see if, he, if Cliff Godwin's still coaching there. The answer is yes, and I'm in because I know their roster is going to be good. You know, like they, they build a good roster. They coach them up. The, they always get better as the season goes on. So, you know, having an ace like Yusevich is unique. That's not every year and not every team. So that's that's a difference maker. And having seven left-handed hitters is – I love that. I, I like. I think the best college teams typically are loaded with left-handed hitters. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just don't – like if I was going to nitpick East Carolina – I don't even know where I'd go. You know, like I, I, I like a little bit of everything. I will and tell one you of the one things that, that was a little bit of a, a weakness a year ago uh, was that the Pirates only had a couple of left-handed arms. And um, this year um, we, we have, I believe, is six left-handed arms out of our, out of our um, rotation or bullpen at our disposal, obviously led by Zach Root, who, who looks to be the Saturday guy, number yep. two in the rotation. But um, you also have a guy like Eric Ritchie, a Seton Hall transfer, and Aaron Aaron uh, Grohler. And, How about and, Ethan Norby, right? Like, that's yeah, interesting. Ethan Norby, the yeah. younger brother of Connor Norby, who will probably make his MLB debut this year. Yep. Mike, uh, if you said one minor thing, um, I would say the only thing that I can think of being trying to be, and I'm not trying to be funny when I say the word objective because it's part of our name for the show, Love but it. if I said of how it could be objective would be the ultimate question right now, if you're an East Carolina media person or East Carolina fan, is who's going to be the Sunday starter? That's the only thing that I can – and uh, Bubba, and there, the, we've got you know so many guys that can fill that role. It's not a matter, it's not a matter of um, that we don't have the depth um, at pitching. It's a matter of who's that guy that's going to – – really separate himself. I know that it's not as big a deal because it's Sunday, 
but that's the one thing that I'm hearing that from time and time again over the last month or so is who's going to be the Sunday starter for the Pirates. Who do you guys like? Like, I, I would start before you guys answer the question. I would say, hey, you show me the number of teams that don't that feel awesome about their Sunday starter, and like it's three teams or less, right? Like that okay. is that is um, that is a luxury in college baseball. But who do you who do you guys think? Like, who are the favorites to be the Sunday guy? One of the names that you're really hearing, um, he started four games a year ago, appeared in 22, and and uh, he was part of the weekend rotation a couple years ago. Jake Hunter. a freshman, and that's Jake Hunter. Um, hearing Jake Hunter's name a lot, and um, yeah, it would not surprise me at all to see him be in the Sunday role against Ryder on opening weekend. And, uh, also, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say it works for me, and if, if you know, like I think that's the thing about Sunday starters, right? If they don't work out in that role, you move them to the pen, and it's uh, you you've got a good reliever. And very quickly, Dave, I want to correct myself. I believe I said Growler. I think it's I think it's pronounced Growler, but um, but whatever the case, very excited to have him in the program uh, from Seton Hall. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, for me is uh, when you're talking about pitching, you're talking about hitting. I mean. One of the I was telling you pre uh, pre game, if you will, in the green room, Rooney, about Bristol Carter. Bristol Carter is the one guy that is kind of like a JJC. Uh, they come from the same county, Guilford County, which is of course home of Greensboro. Uh, for people that are outside that of North Carolina may not know that, um, but uh, he's the one that has growing pains. He was a young guy when he was asked. At media day, JJC said he's improving. He kind of hesitated and smiled, but he's the guy that has uh, a lot of ceiling. He kind of reminds you in some respects of uh, we knew kind of what was coming in as far as a JJC his freshman year, and he has a lot of potential and there are a lot of upside. We'll see how, as I told you, how he handles the pressure of uh, put me in coach, put me in center field. Yeah. Well, and the good news is like, they're not going to ask him to hit third, right? Like I would imagine he's going to hit seventh, eighth or ninth and go play the heck out of defense. And, and, um, you know, whatever, whatever he gives them offensively is a bonus, but may sure does seem like an exciting talent. Mike, before we shift and talk about some of those other teams in the state of North Carolina and throughout the region, as well as nationally, Justin Butts, one of our loyal viewers and listeners chimes in saying, you know, he was thinking today, um, obviously last year, midweek games came back to bite the Pirates, losing three one-run games to Campbell, who nearly hosted. You know, what do you think, uh, looking at East Carolina's schedule, that the Pirates need to do in, in order to host? Uh, obviously, one of those, just take care of business in the midweek more so than a season ago. Yeah, and I would say, like, um, you know, Campbell, obviously, you know, they were kind of in the hosting conversation. North Carolina had – North Carolina State, I I really like their team this year. We'll get to that. They didn't have an amazing resume last year, right? Like North Carolina State was thirty five and twenty, and that's you know like that's a bubble record. Now here's what North Carolina State did have: they were ten and two in midweek games, and so you know you guys were probably on the wrong end of at least one of those. And so I I think that that's for East Carolina to host two things have to happen. I think you, you, you just have to win the American, like the American's not going to have two hosts. It's just not, it's not realistic. Um, it would take a very strange year for that to happen. So you got to win, you got to win the regular season championship in my opinion. And then I think in the midweek games, when you all get to play these really good teams, you know, I, I don't think you need to be 10 and two, 
but it helps. But I, I think you at least need to hold serve and, and um, have a decent record in those games. So, but I, I think if you're East Carolina, the first order of business is you got to win the American uh, regular season. Otherwise, I, I just don't see a second or third place team in the American hosting. Mm, that sounds fair. And then obviously when you're talking about these uh, midweek, uh, midweek games like we're talking about, Mike, I'm just impressed each and every year, and I know I sound biased because I'm in the state of North Carolina, but how good is the baseball in North Carolina and South Carolina? We don't have to travel very far, and you could throw in uh, the state of Virginia as well for a lot of great college baseball teams. Well, I mean, it's just if you look at the Carolinas, just start there, right? It's like I'm looking at the D1 baseball rankings right now, and let, let's, let me see if I can find it again. You know, let's just start counting the teams from the Carolinas. You got Wake Forest, and then you've got Clemson, and then you got East Carolina, then you've got Duke, then you got NC State, then you got North Carolina, then you got Coastal Carolina. I mean, it's like, and then you got South Carolina. I mean, come on, it's like, holy heck, like that is that the region is loaded with baseball talent right now. Another reason that we need to do well to host is you've got problems. All those great teams in a small area, right? And I know with uh, the the committee the committee's looking to like spread out the the 16 hosts so they're not going to have six or seven hosts in that like small yeah. area of two states you know Gilbert, kind of Gilbert, right Gilbert's like, on the committee this year uh, Dave who is our athletic director John oh, nice Gilbert. yeah and just to be clear like the the committee's not told like hey if all if all 16 regions uh, regionals could be in Virginia North Carolina the committee's told you pick the 16 best teams right like that's what they're told to do pick the 16 best uh, teams that have a deserving host bid okay. uh, but that said they're humans right and i'm sure they would you know they want to spread the love and so um yeah it's interesting it's it's uh, it will be competitive for the host sites this year as it always is yeah 10 uh, on the screen right now bubba's got up there clemson 10 east carolina 11 duke is 12th uh, nc state at 13th virginia that uh, this program knows very well at 14th and the Tar Heels, who the pirates will be playing in a couple weeks at 15 so there you go wow it's just amazing but it's good because uh, as far as traveling budget mike we don't have to worry about like being on a quote baseball island where we have to worry about trying to find teams to play and and traveling a whole bunch way out of state and across the country we've got it within a, a short bus ride yeah and it helps recruiting right like like good players want to play uh, against good teams so i think I think that's, you know, one of several reasons why East Carolina is able to attract really good players. Mike, let's talk about those 10th-ranked Clemson Tigers, um, and we'll start there because Eric Backich, Nick Schnabel, obviously those strong ties to East Carolina, having been Cliff Godwin's teammates, and um, they wear 23 in support of Keith LeClaire, uh, or in memory of Keith LeClaire, I should say. And um, obviously last year um, – had a tremendous season, were able to host, but um, obviously didn't advance as they would have liked. Yeah, I mean, like, I think Clemson is way ahead of schedule. You know, they had some really good moments under Monty Lee, but, you know, the school decides to make a change, and you would imagine as good as Eric Backich is, um, and he did take Michigan to game three of the College World Series finals, um, you know, it's going to take a minute to get the program rolling the way you want it to. But it didn't take a minute. Like, they did it immediately. Now, remember, Clemson started out poorly. Like, they were 2-7 and seven in the ACC, and then they just got 
crazy hot and they're end up being the number four overall national seed. They beat Wake Forest for the ACC tournament title. They just ran into a, you know, Tennessee. And, and that was a, we knew Tennessee was going to be a tough draw for anybody based on that pitching. And, you know, they, they lost to one of the great all time NCAA tournament games, 14 inning back and forth. I would say to put a bow on Clemson, Cam Canarella, their center fielder is one of the very best players in the country. Will Taylor, their left fielder, is no longer playing football. He turned in his football scholarship. So, you know, who knows what can happen there. And Clemson's very deep on the mound. Um, Tristan Smith, they've got a really talented left-hander that it'd be interesting to see. He's going to transition to full-time starter this year. But, I mean, Clemson, as long as Eric Bakich is there, I think they're going to be very good and competitive. But uh, it, it, it is interesting how they got so good so fast. Go ahead, Dave. Oh, no, I thought you were going to. Uh, yeah, so were you talking about the Pirates also in there? I know uh, in the ACC, Tobacco Road, what about uh, the Duke Blue Devils? Yeah, so Duke is really interesting. You know, under Chris Pollard now, it's crazy that they've been to three Super Regionals in five yeah. years. They hadn't been to the NCAA tournament since 1961, okay. and now it's three Super Regionals in five years, and they won another one last year, right? They win that Coastal Regional, and then they just, got clipped by Virginia in the super Duke has got tremendous, tremendous pitching. You could argue when you say best pitching staff in the country, Duke is going to be in that conversation. Jonathan Santucci, their left-hander is going to be a high pick. He was hurt last year, but it was not Tommy John. He did not have to have the surgery. So that was huge news for Duke. He looked great this fall. They've got uh, James Talon and, and um, Fran O'Shell. They're two co-closers who are just nasty. So Duke's got some work to do offensively. They lost a lot of their position player group, but you just feel like their pitching is going to give them a million chances to figure it out offensively. Shifting to the North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, Tar Heels um, received some terrible news uh, here a little over a week ago. Senior righty Jake Knapp um, is going to miss the entire season. So um, you know, tell us what you think about Coach Forbes' club. Yeah, Duke is or uh, North Carolina is kind of the opposite of Duke. North Carolina's position player group is just nasty. I mean, you know, Vance Honeycutt is coming off of a down year by his standards, but he's still, you know, this is a kid as a true freshman hit 25 home runs and stole 29 bases. They've got a freshman catcher, Luke Stevenson, that sounds like another one of those future first round draft picks. You know, they've got uh, Osuna's back, Stokely's back. They've got a lot of the names, Cook's back that you're familiar with. Hey, there are kids at North Carolina that started last year that are going to get beat out by incoming players and transfers. The, the challenge for North Carolina is going to be on the mounds. They do return a lot of the bullpen, but they're going to have at least two true freshmen in their weekend rotation by all counts. And, you know, that that's just, those kids are very talented clearly, but um, they're going to have to grow up fast. So, um, yeah, you, you're right about Jake Knapp. That's a big loss. North Carolina is very talented. It's just a matter of how quickly do those young arms acclimate. No doubt. Uh, what about uh, you? Want to go to South Carolina, Bubba? Yeah, Gamecocks um, had a, had a season uh, that they had certainly been seeking uh, for the last few, and um, were able to to host once again. And um, that was obviously a reason with. Clemson and South Carolina's resurgence, why East Carolina um, had such a small margin for error and was on the outside looking in a season ago. But uh, 
Uh, what are your thoughts on the Gamecocks? Yeah, the, the, the Gamecocks are, it's, you know, again, a lot of these teams, it's kind of like one-sided. Um, South Carolina's pitching is the big question. They lost a lot of the pitching from last year. And their position player group is, you know, really good. You get Ethan Petrie back, um, you know, the uh, 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 Cole Messina, the catcher, is, you know, obviously outstanding. That's a really good get back. You know, he's, he was an All-American last year. And so they've, they've the position player group for South Carolina is very, very good. Um, the question is pitching. You know, it, will the pitching be enough? And we know how unforgiving that league is. But I, we, we feel like the South Carolina offense is something you can really bank on. You look down in South Carolina, there's another team sitting over there uh, in the Myrtle Beach area who's always a baseball power, Coastal Carolina. Uh, talk about the Chandeliers, I'm sorry, the Chanticleers, and uh, what you think you're going to see out of them this year. And the Sun Belt in general, I, I enjoy the Sun Belt a lot, uh, particularly in baseball. Yeah, like I, I think the, the Sun Belt has become that next league. And, you know, I, I know the Big Ten is one of the two power brokers in college sports. But really, in baseball, we've had a power four, right? Like it's been the PAC and the Big 12 and the ACC and the SEC. And you really couldn't, you know, I, there were many years where I would say the American was a better league than the uh, Big Ten. The Sun Belt has kind of become that new, you know, what the, what you guys saw the American rise to probably five years ago is really what the Sun Belt has become, where four teams get in the NCAA tournament just feels normal. And, you know, Coastal is the leader of the pack. It's the last year for Gary Gilmore. Um, they're very offensive. They have question marks on the mound, but, um, you know, the, the uh, Bodine, their catcher, Kane Bodine is a heck of a player. And uh, Derek Bender, their first baseman, slugger, DH, whatever we're calling him, just a guy that hits jacks and drives and runs. Uh, you know, that twosome at the top. They had another good recruiting class. So, you know, the Sun Belt, you, you throw in um, Troy is loaded. Texas State is loaded. Louisiana is loaded. Old Dominion's very dangerous. I mean, that that league has tremendous depth. Uh, Southern Miss, I'm leaving out, for God's sake. So, um, you know, I, I think the Sun Belt will be a four, bid, four bids at least. Uh, if you will elaborate a little bit more on Southern Miss, we actually have a small viewership base down in uh, the Hattiesburg, Mississippi area. So uh, if you would elaborate on uh, on Southern Miss, and we, there you go, right there. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Right on the screen. James yeah. saying Southern Miss only brings back three starters from last year's regional hosting team and new coach Christian Ostrander is, is, a, or Ostrander is highly respected, but has his work cut out for him. Yeah, and I would just say, like, with, with Southern Miss, like, they're kind of similar to East Carolina where you just, you know, Christian Ostrander was, he was known as one of the best pitching coaches in the country. By all counts, he's had several SEC opportunities where he could have gone and been the pitching coach there, but he chose to wait uh, for his turn to be the head coach at Southern Miss. And they just, they've got a really um, sustainable recruiting formula. They really know who they are, and they always pitch. And I, I think that is their situation again this year where they do have some question marks, but what we know is they're going to pitch and that gives their position player group uh, a little bit of a chance to figure it out. Going back to the Wolfpack, because we discussed them in terms of RPI and the impact uh, there in the season they had a year ago, uh, taking a look at Elliott Avent's 2024 club and uh, really their, their schedule. I know, I think it was a couple years ago, it came back to bite them. Um, their non-conference schedule and um uh, this year they're they're challenging themselves with uh, vcu's been pretty good in recent years and then uh they're also playing three 
out at Hawaii. Um, I'm sure the players won't complain about that. Yeah, but Hawaii's tough. Like that's a tough place to play. It's a heck of a flight, and exactly. and Hawaii is good. Rich Hill's got them going. I think you know, like NC State, I, they typically their their non conference schedules. You know, in the beginning of the season, I wouldn't call it awesome, but they do play good midweek games. And then, of course, the ACC schedule is you know is ferocious. So, um, you know, for NC State, I just they they've really done a nice job in recruiting. Chris Hart, their assistant coach, who you know someday I think will be the head coach there is just really good. And, um, you know, like there's going to be a lot of names that you recognize, like Jacob Cozart has established himself as one of the best catchers in the country. And Eli Serrano is going to move to center field and he's got star player written all over him. And so, um, you know, they've got some transfers on the mound. I mean, some of these names, you can't even believe they're still there. Like, you know, Dominic Fritton is still there and not still there. Like he's, he's, uh, just uh, you know, third year guy, but Matt Lillardson's still there. Sam Highfield's still there. I mean, those kids were on the 2021 team. Logan Whitaker's still there. They got Hollis Fanning, the transfer from Tennessee. So, um, long story short, NC State is very balanced and they're very good. I I, I think they're going to have an outstanding season. Taking a look around the country, you, know, you kind of went in this direction just there uh, where you're when you're talking about non-conference games so many of the quality non-conference games in in those leagues like the ACC SEC uh, Big 12 occurred during the midweek or early in the season in um, the round robin format uh, not so much in series so you you have a traveling series between East Carolina and North Carolina which is a top 15 situation also a top 25 series between Clemson and South Carolina in their traveling series that they've done for years now um, what are some of those other series that stand out? Because uh, um, you know, after I hear your thoughts, there there are a few that stood out to me. So I would say um, Santa Barbara. You see, Santa Barbara is one of my favorites. You know, if we're calling them a sleeper team, I mean, they were in Omaha in 2016. But Santa Barbara's got this is going to sound a little crazy, but if you just think about the top eight arms. I can make an argument that Santa Barbara's got the best pitching staff in the country. If we're only talking about the top eight, they are just nasty on the mound. Team USA kids, high draft picks, um, and they even though the position player group's not as well, you know, not, not as famous. They have seven starters back, so uh, Santa Barbara's going to go to Campbell to start the season. So that'll be a really fun series. Um, you know, out here in Arizona where I am, you get that desert invitational that MLB puts on. So we'll have teams like Kansas State and uh, USC out here. We also have Oregon State out here, who's a top 10 team. You know, the three weekends in Globe Life are really fun. You know, you get this nice collection of Big 12 and SEC teams, and there's some West Coast teams in there. And then there's a, there's a, a group that I don't want to call them new kids on the block, but I think people are starting to just figure them out. Uh, the Peak Event guys, the, the company's called Peak Events. They do, do those tournaments in Round Rock and then in Frisco. They're doing one in Vegas this year, which is awesome. They're doing one in Jacksonville, which will be spectacular. That's like Virginia, Iowa, Auburn, and, and one other team I'm not thinking of. So anyway, those are some top ones off the top of my head there, Bubba. Mike, yeah. you, you, this is something I've probably asked you in the past. And I ask people this all the time when talking college baseball, and I typically get no, it'll never happen. But you mentioned uh, those those companies putting on these uh, these tournaments early in the season. Do you ever think that there will be a, a, a place for a college baseball NIT? You mean in the postseason or the preseason, Kyle? Postseason. 
Ah, that's a good question. I think um I think no right now because we already have 64 teams in and but I think um what I think would be really cool not to derail the conversation but I would like to see us take our NCAA tournament and make it 72 teams. I actually wrote an article about this last summer where we could do some really cool playing games on Thursday nights at the host sites where if you lose you go home, if you play you stay. Um, I think that that would be really fun. But long story short is I think, um, you know, like college sports has got so much chaos going on right now that a baseball NIT, we, we would have a tough time cracking the top 100. Um, but if you pull it off, Kyle, count me in. I would love to see it. You know, I, you know, I, I always thought it would, you know, be uh, something that wouldn't happen until I found out this year there's a freaking volleyball NIT that we played in it. Uh, so I thought, well, why not one for baseball? Yeah, there you go. Runes, uh, as far as your point about the Gauchos, that's one that I definitely had circled on uh, them traveling to Bowie's Creek to take on Justin Hare and the, the fighting Campbells of Campbell. Uh, but the Gauchos also, they have Oregon and UConn on their non-conference schedule, um, which stood out. Uh, you have UCLA uh, with non-conference series at TCU and Gonzaga, uh, Florida and Miami, of course, and then also Iowa and um, and Ole Miss, and then That's I know a on, on on your recent podcast uh, you were talking about Northeastern and the quality of the CAA with Northeastern Campbell and UNC Wilmington. They have series at Arizona and also at Old Dominion. Yeah, yeah, Northeastern's. I you know people kind of roasted us for ranking them, but I'm telling you, anybody who's a Northeastern doubter, just look them up. You know, just take a peek because you know their coach is Mike Glavin. It's Tom Glavin's brother. Uh, this guy's a really good coach. Mike Mike Glavin also played in the big leagues, just not as long as Tom Glavin. He got a cup of coffee, whereas Tom Glavin got a Hall of Fame career. But um, Northeastern's fun. It's a bunch of big, physical, athletic Northeastern kids. They had five kids steal double-digit bases last year. They had five kids that had double-digit home runs. It's kind of like a power speed. Reminds you of almost Louisiana Lafayette 2014. So, yeah, Northeastern's fun. Kind of circling back to the the transfer portal and NIL, as I said we would. I mean, you know, looking at some of those top acquisitions around the country, you know, uh, I'll start off with, um, you know, Braden Montgomery. He's he's a guy that played at Stanford and he's he's a Team USA guy and uh, had the opportunity to see him play last summer right here uh, along with East Carolina's Trey Savage uh, when, when they came to Kannapolis, North Carolina. Uh, so, you know, what are your thoughts about him? Um, moving on to Texas A&M and then also some of those other top transfer portal acquisitions. Yeah, I would say like the two, the two top, you know, transfer portal guys were, were Braden Montgomery. I mean, this is a switch hitter athlete, you know, like big, big arm. Um, he's a first round pick, right? He's been an all American for two years and you put him in a lineup with Jace LaViolette, who's a six foot six center fielder. Who's also a future first round pick. And then A&M's got a freshman, Gavin Grohovic, who's a, I think I'm I'm I have not watched I've not seen him yet, but he, he reminds me of like a Pat Burrell, like this big right-handed hitter from California who's a little bit positionless so far. But you know, I I think the other famous transfer that you have to talk about is Wake Forest is number one, and Chase Burns leaving Tennessee and going to Wake Forest is a big part of that. And Wake Forest with a rotation of Josh Hartle and Michael Massey and uh, who you all were familiar with when he was at Tulane. And then um, he's made a huge jump, obviously. And then 
Chase Burns. I mean, it's it's a whale of a rotation. So I think Montgomery and Burns, Montgomery being the first round position, like Montgomery could be a top 10 pick as an outfielder and Chase Burns could be a top 10 pick as a right-handed pitcher. So, you know, those are the two dudes. And within the American, you referenced earlier Wichita State players moving on to quality programs um, and programs that have the chance to really make some noise. And Peyton Tolley from Wichita State is one of those, one of the top two-way players in the country. Yeah, he's it was it, you know the the two the the SEC has dominated the transfer portal, but the two schools that are trading punches with the SEC right now are Wake Forest and TCU. Everybody wanted Chase Burns, Wake Forest got him. Everybody wanted Peyton Tolley, TCU got him. And you know Tolley just as you guys know, he, this is a very physical left-handed hitter, twenty home run potential, and he's a weekend starter on the mound. So it's it's two top of the league players. So TCU was going to have a good team. Anyway, this year because they their Omaha team had a lot of freshman starters, but um, getting Tolly definitely moves the needle for them. And uh, one final one I want to mention, and kind of going along with your point uh, as far as the SEC dominating things, uh, you have a player like Billy Amick from Clemson moving on to Tennessee, which is which is crazy. You think about the program that Clemson has and the way they've gotten it uh, going under Eric Backage and that regime. But uh, I guess it says it says a lot for for the dollars at play as as well as uh, obviously the factors vary depending on uh, the player and the situation. Yeah, it's sometimes you know like Cannon Peebles left NC State to go to Tennessee, and you know sometimes you know maybe I'm I'm guessing I don't know, but maybe Amick Amick's going to get a chance to play third base at Tennessee. Now let's see if he can do it. You know maybe he didn't have that opportunity. You know maybe NC State just got a better third base swing. Like that's possible. And, you know, Amick decides that or, uh, uh, you know, I, I should say uh, Clemson and then NC State, same way. Peebles wants to catch. Maybe there's just not enough innings. And so, you know, sometimes people transfer just for opportunity. I, I wouldn't call Amick or Peebles elite defenders, but they are elite bats. So it will be very interesting. Tennessee is making a very big wager on offense. And, and you know, I think they're banking on the fact that the, the kids will grow into better defenders. And the final thing I had for you, Runes, is I know I told you we'd discuss some underrated venues. Of course, um, you, know, you know, college baseball fans are familiar with the Alex Box, the Baum Stadium, um, obviously Swayze down at Ole Miss, and um, and then, of course, Mississippi State. You know, so many of those household names. But East Carolina, at one point in time, is, was one of those that was under the radar in recent years with – the hosting of so many regionals and a super regional of the nation has come to know uh, Clark LeClaire stadium in the jungle, you know, but what are some of those others around the country that um, folks should know about? Yeah, I think like when you think about underrated venues, like I think about the West coast has some good ones before I forget though, Wichita state is a really cool place. Like it's one of the tallest stadiums in college baseball and it's really left over from their heyday. But I think Wichita State is a cool college baseball stadium. So that's one that comes to mind for me. Um, you know, Nebraska plays in a really cool stadium. People would be surprised how good the Big Ten baseball stadiums are. Um, yeah, there, there's some really, really neat ones there. Indiana's got a cool yard. Um, you know, out west, Arizona and Arizona State and Grand Canyon, all three of the Division One schools in my state have. You know, last year I saw Grand Canyon beat Tennessee on opening night. 
um, five or opening weekend, 5,000 people there to see a Grand Canyon home game. Uh, Arizona is like, uh, you feel like you're at spring break because it's so warm and it's gorgeous and the beers are like, or, you know, the, I should say the adult beverages are, they're extra large and double XL, right? Like they're not selling, they're not selling little drinks at, in, in, at high Corbett, but it's just, it's just an awesome environment. Uh, ASU plays at uh, Phoenix Municipal Stadium, which is the Oakland A's old spring training facility. So it's, it's a literally a big league ballpark that is hosting college baseball. You, you know, San Diego's got a amazing setup because it's San Diego. Uh, so you know, it's like heaven on earth. So those are, those are some quick ones for you, Bubba. Well, Runes, really appreciate the visit. Uh, and Dave, Kyle, do you guys have anything else? No, thank you, Mike, as always. And um, I'm glad that you said that East Carolina is not going to make Omaha, so that maybe right. that'll give us a chance. Dave, to I want it on the record. Mike Rooney said the Pirates are not going to Omaha. It's on the record. Let <laughs> and the reverse those, jinx begin. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, for those that are listening and viewing for the first time, Rooney always picks East Carolina, so it's not that he doesn't like East Carolina. He is trying to help us by reverse jinx and to get us to Omaha. Mike, as always, thank you, my friend. Appreciate it and uh, look forward to love the podcast very much. And I'll, that was the one the final thing. Uh, can you give everybody the uh, all the stuff where people can find you, ESPN, and, of course, yeah. the podcast? No, appreciate it. Yeah, so the ESPN stuff is, um, you know, that, that'll get started kind of like when basketball starts to subside. But, you know, still doing all of our stuff at D1 Baseball, podcasting with Joe Healy and Kendall Rogers and Aaron Fitt. And the D1 family has grown. You know, we, we have a main podcast. Uh, Darren Vaught and Danny Graves do an ACC Baseball Etc. podcast, which is really cool. Joe Healy and Mark Etheridge do an SEC Extra podcast. Um, so a lot of coverage there. And then Mike Farron and I, um, our, our show on Sirius XM this week in college baseball, it's a weekly show. Um, and we, we, we will kick off next week. So yeah, uh, just more examples of how much the sport has grown. It's crazy. We'll see how it goes and hopefully maybe we can have you back before regionals or I know it's really hard for you because uh, this is your uh, toughest time of year, but love to have you back if possible. Yeah. Whenever, whenever the pirates, if they have a little skid, have me back on, Dave. I'll double down on my Pirates are not going to Omaha prediction. Okay. It would just be like a little juice. Just, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just like a little espresso. So save that. Put that in your back pocket. All right. Thanks, Rudy. Appreciate it very much, man. All Have right, boys. Day. Take care. Be good. See you. All right. Bye-bye. Appreciate Mike Rooney so much, uh, as always, for coming on. We have uh, a lot of people that uh, love to listen to him and, and uh, watch him. Uh, definitely in the beginning of the season. It's hard to believe, Bubba, man, just a week and a half away, and we'll have uh, opening baseball. It's going to be cold. Remember, was that four years ago that uh, you, me, and Kyle, Jessica, and Alex were all there at the – that was a cold February day. Yeah, that was uh, not your you know, desirable February weather, um, you know, or unseasonably warm, I should say. So hopefully, I had not looked at the extended. Was that, was that 2020 before all the bullshit happened? That sounds uh, right. It was about four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 2019, 2020. I, I do remember. I think it was that 2020 season. Um, I'd been at the Charlotte series on the weekend before everything got shut down. And then, of course, we played the midweek game down at UNC Wilmington and we. We had gotten the news of what was going on um, and the possibility of everything getting shut down because the upcoming series against Columbia 
Um, the Ivy League had shut everything down. So Coach Godden was scrambling for an opponent for that weekend. And then, of course, everything got sh <clears throat> got shut down. But um, And then I know in addition to that um, – that Charlotte series, and we had also, um, you know, played Ole Miss in the Leclerc Classic. Uh, so, oh yeah, but um, but yeah, glad glad those days are in the past, and uh, it's been been obviously uh, a, tr a tremendous nine plus years for for Coach Godwin at the helm. The Pirates ranked in the top fifteen of all the the polls. I, I think uh, Perfect Game may have us at seventeenth. But all the others were anywhere from 11th to either 14th or 15th. Today, the Pirates um, were unveiled in the ESPN USA Today coaches poll at 12th. There you go. It's really awesome. It's really awesome to have a, a baseball program. I mean, what the uh, was it? The I want to ask you guys: Was the baseball writers the one that we was always like the lowest? They would. I know Baseball America, but Baseball Writers uh, was that the poll that we always? Yeah, it's based out of based out of Arizona. Oh, I, I may be mixing it up with Collegiate Baseball. Collegiate Baseball, I believe, is the one you're thinking of, Dave. Okay, they, they, were, like, they, they would put always... out a top forty instead of a top twenty-five, <laughs> and they would have us way low every year. Yeah. But yeah, they wouldn't even have us uh, sometimes, not even in their top forty. <laughs> hey, Kyle, do you got? Do you feel that uh, with this? Just uh, as a pirate, do you think it's good to have the preseason accolades like this, or would you rather have it where we're kind of under the radar? I think we're past that point in baseball. Um, I think if we're under the radar in baseball, then um, we probably had a really bad season the year before. Uh, so um, I think we're kind of past that point. We The expectations here, we're, we're, we're going to be – a regional team where our expectation is to host a regional every year. Our expectation is to go to Omaha every year. We just haven't done it yet. So, um, no, I think in baseball, um, I think, it, I think it has to be a good thing at this point. If not, then we probably got issues for, uh, for what this program is. Absolutely. And, you know, if we want, if we want to be the, the continue to be the program that we've been and obviously take it to another level and get into Omaha and win a national championship, you have to embrace it. And I, I think we we definitely do. Uh, you know, otherwise we wouldn't have had the consistency that we've had in recent years. And folks may say, "Yeah, you haven't um, you know, kicked down that door and gotten to Omaha yet," and, and which which is that is certainly true. But at the same time, uh, I think the level of consistency this program has had, you know, many years, um, or at least a couple years, dominating the American and just running away with the conference. Last year, that wasn't the case. We it came down to the final weekend, and uh, but the Pirates are going for their fifth straight American title this year, and you know, uh, a lot of reasons to uh, be be hopeful of uh, getting another regional back at Clark Leclerc once again. It'll be nice. It'll be nice because it's like it's, uh, and that's the other thing too to remind fans that when you have a program like East Carolina, and the last time that you lost a regional was 2018 and you're all upset uh, just keep in mind that there are a lot of programs that would love to have the consistency of this program and we definitely will knock down that door and i, I agree with kyle you said it a few times kyle if not a lot and that is once we do knock down that door we'll have a we'll it won't be long and we'll win the the whole thing 
Yeah, I hope that's, that's definitely the fault. Um, you once you, it's almost become either you win the whole thing or you, after you go the first time, you make it back soon thereafter. Um, right. so, uh, you know, it'd be nice to do like Coastal did finally get there and win the whole damn thing. But yeah, yeah, you take a look just around the country, you have a program like Florida State, you know, and thoughts and prayers with um, Mike Martin and, I mean, his family and friends um, in that Florida State community after the loss of Coach Martin, 79 years old. Um, Kyle, you and I briefly talked about that the other night, all the success that that program has had and how many times Mike Martin got them to, to Omaha, be it uh, Rosenblatt or a TD Ameritrade, which, which is now Charles Schwab Field, I believe, or maybe even changed names again. But uh, that shows you how hard it is to win the whole thing. I mean, got there at least 22 times, maybe more, and never won at all with with, wow. with all the talent that they had down through the years. That's unbelievable. Yeah. it's uh, in, in fact, he's a North Carolina Sports Hall of Famer, Mike Martin being from the state of North Carolina. Um, so in that program, speaking of consistency, would you like to have a program that goes to Omaha a lot or one that never makes it? You know, I mean, you would obviously want them to have a chance. So – um, most definitely about that. Um, as far as uh, East Carolina is concerned, do you guys have any thoughts before we go into the season again, a week and a half? Uh, what are your thoughts going? How do you feel about what I'm trying to say is tired tonight? How do you feel about the season here? Uh, when again, yeah, first of all, I wanted to agree with you wholeheartedly. I definitely rather would have a program that goes to Omaha than not. Uh, yeah, so that's you nailed it there. Uh, but how do I, how do I feel about the uh, the season? Um, Honestly, um, I, I I don't know the roster as well as either of you. Um, obviously, everybody knows what we have with you, Savage, JCC, um, or JJC, right? JJC. Um, I call him JCC. Um, Zach Root, exactly. Uh, so you, you know what we have. I, there, there's enough pieces of the puzzle there. Uh, we we should be at the top of the American. We should win the American. Uh, the American will be a little tougher this year, which is good in a way. Um, yep. it should only help us with our RPI, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, I, 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 am optimistic like always, you know, I'll, I'll know more about how good this team could be once I see us out there on the diamond, but, um, optimistic, I, my expectations are to host a regional. All right. Let's see. Uh, we got some comp questions and comments right here real quick. Uh, Daniel Hill senior, he said midweek starting pitching is once again, going to make or break the season in my opinion. And that's true. That hurt us last year, uh, Daniel, as far as we've got to win those midweek games. People have asked me, and I don't know about you guys, what is it going to take? You're going to have to win, as we were just talking to Rooney, uh, that very thing. Robert Matthews says, are the season ticket general admission sold out? I heard they were. It may be the case. It's been busy at work lately. I haven't had a chance to call over the ticket office. I know that, uh, Robert, I know that uh, as of a couple weeks ago, all they had left was the jungle. Isn't that right, Bubba? Is my uh, memory serves me right? I think that's right. A couple weeks ago, yes. But I don't know about now. Yeah. We'll see if we can confirm with uh, Coleman Spain with the ECU Athletic Ticket Office. And, um, but yeah, as far as the season goes, um, looking forward to seeing how Zach Root uh, takes on that uh, weekend role. Uh, Obviously, uh, Kind of a mixed bag in year one, but you, you love the way 
you know, the bigger the moment, you know, the bigger the game, the more Zach, you know, loved being out there. And uh, he rose to the occasion, uh, you know, right out of the gates against North Carolina last year, came on, uh, I believe got the save, or maybe the maybe it was a win in relief, whichever the case uh, was. I believe it was a save. But, um, you know, last year he was largely having the success that he had at times, you know, with nothing but uh, – a fastball and then also a changeup this year you know, during the all season and throughout the fall, you know, he developed his uh, pitch mix and uh, brings a lot more to the table, has honed his command and uh, really looking forward to the strides that Zach's made and seeing how, how he brings that to the, the field beginning um, opening weekend against Ryder. And then just the depth across the board and, you know, it's been a trend, you know, we've said it every year, you know, we're, we're deeper on the mound, we're deeper uh, positionally. And Coach Godwin uh, even uttered those words recently on 94.3 The Game in his interview with Patrick Johnson and Stephen Igo, just saying that uh, he really believes this is the deepest we've been positionally and we have so many options no matter what position. And he said, and think about this, he's been at LSU, he's been at Ole Miss, and, you know, so many quality programs, Vanderbilt. He said he's never been part of a staff that he can recall where the depth at catcher was what it is, you know, with the likes of Will Coxon, uh, obviously McChrystal, and then um, freshman. Yep. And true true freshman from from Georgia. Uh, By the way, look at this. This is really funny. Uh, Bubba Grant, Bubba says, all you have to do is look at the hotel rates in Greenville to know the baseball program is winning and growing. So thank you, Bubba, for that. Okay. I haven't, I haven't checked hotel prices for baseball weekends, but I'm assuming he has. And uh, so uh, that's, that's, uh, that's yeah, he's thing. not from, he's not from Greenville, the Greenville area. So he's traveling. Uh, <clears throat> as far as uh, the pirates, do you guys want to make a prediction? Should we make a preseason prediction? Of what you think is going to happen and see how it well, turns out? We can just, if you want to, we'll save that because we're going to have an in-depth, okay, in-depth preview in the next few days before the season gets started. Um, you know, we aim to have Coach O on. Um, obviously Scott Rogers as well. Talked to Scooter over the weekend, um, at the Charlotte basketball game, and uh, he'll definitely be coming on prior to the season and uh, each and every right. Sunday night uh, with extra innings. Uh, this year, extra innings will be presented by PGX Gloves and uh, Mark Minikazi. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll save an in-depth look at the team and that, that prediction for that show. Yeah. So, uh, season tickets are on sale for football, guys. Yeah, as of uh, Monday and uh, yesterday. So, uh, that's going to be great. In fact, uh, tickets are reasonable. Those tickets are very reasonable, I think, when you look at what what's the upper deck, Bubba? Is it one hundred and fifteen dollars? That's one part of the upper deck. That's the fan zone upper deck. Okay, the fan zone is one fifteen out of the uh, so it's a portion of the eight thousand seats that are on the upper deck. Correct. I think the next level up in the upper deck is one fifty. But still, that's one fifty is not bad. Not no. bad at all. No. Okay. No. So yeah, season tickets are on sale. So uh, everybody, if you you know, renew your football season tickets. Uh, if you renew them before uh, it's a certain date in February, I don't know if either one of you guys know it, you get 10 extra priority points. So uh, 
uh, renew uh, renew early. I need to do that. So uh, sometime this month. Uh, it's early February. There's a certain date that you'd have to, you'll have okay. to look it up. Check your email. I'll use on the renewal application. All right, we'll do. In fact, I'm I'm excited about football. I think I'm excited about. I'll just be blunt. I'm excited about everything in East Carolina, but men's basketball. So hopefully uh, they can uh, turn it around. And um, I saw our good friend Wayland, and I was telling Wayland that this is like for me, you know, the uh, for baseball. Speaking of baseball, Major League Baseball. And spring training is so cool. I don't know if you guys have ever – have you been, uh, Bubba, before spring training? I've been one spring training game, uh, I yeah. guess. Let's see. I guess it was going into my eighth grade. I guess it was the spring of my eighth grade year, and I saw the Astros and Indians play. Albert Bell was with the Astros, and Bagwell was with the – excuse me, Albert Bell was with the Indians, and, and – uh, excuse me, um, Jeff Bagwell was with the Astros, and Bagwell, I believe, was hurt and not playing that day. Well, my, this is my uh, analogy I'm going to use. So, for me, the preseason, the preseason for basketball, for ECU, for men, is like spring training. You're excited. We've got all these great new recruits. We've got a new coach. We've got this and that. We've got all this. And then by the time it comes to conference play, it's kind of like the uh, when the All-Star break, one of your favorite teams that uh, you go, all right, well, maybe it's next year. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's next year. I mean, I'm almost 51, and I don't know. I don't know how many times I can just sit here and wait. I don't want to make this about basketball because we've been talking baseball and uh, football looks like it's uh, on the right trend upward and uh, with all the – the great picks. And by the way, there's a Bubba. What's the date again on, uh, we got that about the media day. Yeah. I'll I'll get that information in a minute, but uh, to answer Kyle's question, that date on season tickets is February 12th. You know, all all pirate club members who purchase season tickets before the close of business on February the 12th will receive 10 priority points instead of the usual two. Um, and this is per account, not based on the season ticket quantity or number of orders. So, so you pay in full. You pay in full, and you get the. Is that what it is? Pay in full. No, says, just renew it, it. Just renew it. Oh, okay. In addition, all Pirate Club members who set up a payment plan and make their first payment before the close of business on February twelfth will receive ten priority points instead of the usual two. Uh, for those who choose to set up a payment plan, your 10 priority points will not be allotted until you've paid your payment plan in full. Well, still, hey, that's uh, okay. I can do and that. It, and it says it's a great opportunity to earn extra priority points prior to the Pirate Club reseeding Dowdy Ficklin Stadium for the 2025 football season. I was getting ready to uh, – you read my mind. I was getting ready to say I think it's next year. So, okay, uh, 2025. And those of you that uh, – I've had people ask about – uh, about tickets, the best thing you can do is call the ticket office, 1-800-DIAL-ECU. Um, you can obviously go to ecpirates.com, but if you go there, a lot of people have been saying about uh, that very thing, that people want to get the, I guess, some of the chair backs. I've heard about that. The, um, I don't know about the upper deck. I know there's some, one particular person I was talking to, a pirate fan, and um, he is scared of heights, he said. 
I uh, was talking to him a week or so ago. So he said he is not a fan of the upper deck, but, um, but Hey, you know, there's everybody to each his own. I did the one thing I do like guys, if you've ever set up the upper deck is you really get to see the plays develop. Uh, if you're a football fan way ahead of time. Um, I did like that kind of bird's eye view of, uh, doubt of the field. Yeah. yeah I, had, I had season tickets up there. Uh, in the, 2021 season and uh, yeah it it was the low <coughs> lower part of the upper deck and right. yeah it was, good, it was a good seat but um in the last couple of years i've been down in in 4b uh you know my parents and i we go going together obviously my dad's priority from 40 plus years in the pirate club is is much greater than mine so you know i just i get my season tickets through him so we so we have a better location all right, guys, uh, Johnny Robertson, update about uh, baseball season tickets. Uh, he was told this morning by the ticket office that season tickets for the jungle will be available at 10 a.m. this Friday, this Friday for that. And uh, yes to uh, Daniel Hill, by the way, is asking, Bubba, did you say you can get 10 bonus points even with a payment plan? It skipped on his. Yes, um, that is correct. Um, the way Bubba said is, uh, sorry, Bubba, was quick. Um, you'll get the 10 points after you pay off your payment plan. So there in August, I believe you have to have that last payment in. So um, that last payment, you'll, you'll finally get your 10 bonus points instead of two, which you would normally get for season tickets. So you're getting eight extra points by, by doing this. So another great way, Kyle, we talk about guys, we talk about uh, season tickets and a way to get the season tickets up. Is to get the people that are like us, the diehards, already to you know go ahead and purchase it, and then you have uh, maybe some new people that would do that. Well, I don't know what the hell people wait for. If you're going to do the payment plan, you might as well sign up for it now. Um, if you're going to pay for it all at once and you and you're waiting for a certain yeah. you know whatever, it's different. But if you if you're doing the payment plan, the sooner you start it, the longer you know, <laughs> the less you have to pay each month. <laughs> exactly. That's why, amen to that. That's why I try to do it as early as I can. I renewed my Monday. I will do that in the next day or two. I'm glad y'all brought that up here on the show. I, I didn't know, and I would have done it even without the bonus points. I didn't know about that. So um, that's great to know. Uh, by the way, guys, I know that we're running long, but Kyle, you're joining us now, and you are um, one of my favorite people when it comes to music and, uh, well, sports, obviously, but music as well. Uh, very sad to lose Toby Keith. Uh, we were talking about the early for the guys that are still watching. Uh, very, very sad. And uh, off the top of your head, uh, he had so many hits. What was your favorite song or one of your favorite Toby Keith songs? Yeah, I'm going to elaborate on this a little bit. Um, okay. And then I'm going to get out of here. I don't know how much longer we're staying on, but I've been on the Not phone all night. Um, literally. Uh, I, I saw Toby Keith the concert three times. Um, honestly, when he went on his whole... Um, patriotic thing um not that i'm not not that i'm not patriotic i honestly thought it was a little fake um you know despite all the uso shows i was cynical in my 20s um actually <laughs> I, i'll uh we we had one tickets uh to see toby Keith. yeah i can't remember what year it was 08 maybe something like that at uh at walnut creek and trace atkins was opening for him my wife at the time was a huge trace atkins fan so we went to see trace i think it was 08 and, um, of course, didn't leave, um, stayed to see Toby. And Toby's stage show in 08 was unreal. One of the best stage shows I'd ever yeah, seen. And I was there. fireworks, everything. And um, I, I became a Toby Keith fan that night. I went from being cynical about, uh, 
Yeah, I loved his early stuff, the stuff being the 90s, like, you know, should have been a cowboy. Uh, Does that blue moon ever shine on you? Dreamwalking. Um, and then, you know, uh, anyway, so I ended up seeing him three times. So I saw Toby in concert three times. Uh, probably my favorite Toby Keith song, Beer for My Horses, Dreamwalking, um, Tired, um, which is one that a lot of people don't know. It's a really good song. Um, of course, uh, Don't Let the Old Man In. Um, the performance yeah. was uh, was unbelievable on uh, the People's Choice Awards. Um, so sad. But, uh, you know, just, just, and I'll wrap this up. Just like I said, from a personal standpoint, seen him a concert three times. His cancer battle was going on at the exact same time as mine. Um, and so uh, I followed it closely. Um, unfortunately, his had a different outcome than mine did. Um, so a huge loss, a great man, and uh, he'll be missed. No doubt. I met him, uh, by the way, uh, 2008 show with Miranda Lambert opened up for him. Okay, maybe it was 09 then. Um, but anyway, that uh, my dad went with me. It was a great show. Got a chance to, really cool, got a chance to meet him. And um, so, and it, uh, it was 09. It was 09, Dave. Um, but anyway, the Toby Keith was really cool. Got a chance to meet him. Um, really great guy, laid back, just like, you know, it was kind of, I know it's corny to say he's the kind of guy that, you know, you would see like in Eastern North Carolina, hanging out, drinking a beer with him. Um, just a really great guy. And I hate that he had so many great songs. I'll, I'll give you, um, I'll give you probably, let's see two. I'm going, uh, early, uh, early Toby. I'm going, one of my favorites is you ain't much fun. I love that song. I just think it's, uh, it's hilarious. Um, and it's overplayed, but I really do love, I love this bar and as much as I once was. Yeah. Uh, all those are good. Uh, he, uh, and you know, did you only see him the one time in concert? Uh, one time major concert. And then I saw him a few times, a couple times in Nashville, like, uh, singing a little bit, you know, interviews, that kind of thing. Uh, but as far as a major show, yeah. Um, that 2008 show was incredible. And of course I love Miranda Lambert, but we're not talking about her right now, but, uh, she was fabulous too. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, I, I, I agree in hindsight, Johnny. Um, uh, like I said, you, you're cynical when you're in your twenties. Um, I, I saw him in 09 and then, uh, again, in um, uh, God, I think it was 11 and 13 was the last time I saw him in concert. Well, uh, very sad, and hopefully now, uh, we were talking about that earlier, you know, uh, he definitely will be at the Hall of Fame at some point. I just hate he won't see it. Um, he's one of those that one of those guys in the, you know, we had the class of 89, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, the class of 89 really brought country music back, and then you had that group like the Kenny Chesty, Tra- uh, Tracy Lawrence, Tim McGraw, uh, Toby Keith. There was the early 90s, Faith Hill, Martina McBride. There's so many early 90s early to mid 90s between the groups and artists that really kept that uh i hate to use a flame but um kept the momentum going from the class of 89 yeah yep so anyway uh okay so uh by the way want to give a shout out to edmarines.com ed watkins marine he uh big supporter of the show as fact uh bub i know with uh coach connor's right and it's coach connor's son Bo. it's his birthday today so happy birthday Bo. Yeah, big thank you to Ed Watkins, Ed Watkins Marine. Visit them online, edwatkinsmarine.com. 
They have two locations to serve you in the greater Charlotte area, Denver, and then also Cornelius. In Denver, they can be found on North Carolina Highway 16 Business. Uh, you can reach them at that location, 704-483-BOAT. Again, 704-483-BOAT in Cornelius. They're located on West Catawba Avenue in Suite B, 704-498-4985, 704-498-4985. Uh, whether you're looking to buy a new boat, repower your existing boat, um, you know, they have fishing boats, center consoles, family-friendly bow riders, trailers, pontoon boats, engines, UTVs, you name it. They can meet and you know satisfy all of your boating needs. Give Big Ed a call today. And uh, the final thing I would have, Dave, is, you know, Pirate Nation, obviously Parker Bird on um, such a tremendous oh, yeah. story. And I meant to mention this uh, earlier uh, while Mike Rooney was still on the show, but um, found out today that he's part of a Super Bowl commercial for the Challenged Athletes Foundation and really look forward to, to seeing that. Uh, great exposure. You know, you know, very deserved for him. And then um, obviously it'll be great exposure for East Carolina baseball as well. Uh, can't wait till he has that first official AB this, <clears throat> this season. And um, you know, follow us on social media on X at Sports OBJ. And, and we have that um, one of our most recent uh, retweets. Um, we'll, we'll try to pin it to the top of the page. And um, also on Instagram and TikTok, you can follow us at The Sports Objective. Like and follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. No doubt. By the way, I want to make one final thing because we're all tired uh, and want to get out of here. Uh, congratulations to the AAC Player of the Week for Women's Basketball. And that's Danae McNeil. Congratulations, Bubba, to Kim McNeil and company. They've done a great job this uh, again this season. You, you know, you it's really hard to after you win the conference championship and the tournament to uh, to repeat. Um, but certainly, they have been playing very, very well uh, leading up to that point. So, congratulations to them. Want to give a shout out to you, Bubba, for all your hard work behind the show, and uh, great to be on tonight. And uh, we'll have more about baseball coming up and uh, basketball. We have uh, basketball, baseball, and football kind of. Uh, going on at the same time with spring uh, football coming up uh, here. Um, that'll be actually in what latter part of uh, March, but it's all kind of running together. That's what I'm trying to say here in the next month and uh, less than a month away, guys, uh, Bubba, our sixth anniversary coming up on March the 1st. So I appreciate your hard work and you've been with me uh, and Kyle, the, and then Matt joined us a few years ago. So appreciate uh, everybody for their hard work. Yeah, appreciate everyone's support of the show, and you know, we'll we'll be joining you tomorrow night. Um, and hopefully, you able to join us or list at least listen to the archive. We have um, Smacker Miles, um, Kyle, and I will be joined by oh, yeah. Smacker Miles on the Coach's Kid. Our first episode of that program in uh, several months, but look forward to hearing that. And you know, if if you haven't heard the coach's kid before go back and check out those those uh first couple episodes including uh, an episode with kate holland baynard which is of course terry holland's daughter 
in in, in the in the first episode was with uh, Tommy Bowden, of course, um, the son or one of the sons of the legendary Bobby Bowden. It's a great show. Both of those uh, shows I've heard are really good and uh, looking forward to that's going to be an interesting one with uh, Smacker Miles. And I know that'll be uh, great. All right. We're going to get out of here. Thank you so much for uh, being with us. We appreciate your support. Tell your friends to, uh, like Bubba said, uh, to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's been growing a lot and we appreciate that very much. Thanks to Mike Rooney. Thanks to Bubba. Thanks to Kyle. We'll see you next time. It's a sports objective. And you've been watching it as always. Good night, everybody. Go Pirates. You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.